Welcome to Entrepreneurs Go, a new podcast for SME owners, property developers, and entrepreneurs. In this special series, we talk to a number of inspiring guests on everything you have and haven't considered about running a business, the challenges you could face, the solutions you might need, and anything else you need to know about investing in yourself. Entrepreneurs Go, brought to you by The Letting People, a landlord's best investment. Visit thelettingpeople.org. Find something that you're genuinely passionate about, or at least can be, because it makes going to work a hell of a lot easier every day, particularly as it gets hard. And any startup will be very hard at some point. My guest today is someone who's got a passion for helping others get into work and wants to help them realise their best potential, whether that takes on a specific career path or starting a business of their own. He's the chairman of his own recruitment agency, but is also well known for his online job site and foundation, which aims to help young people embark on their own careers. I've had the pleasure of meeting him once or twice before, but this is the first opportunity I've had to quiz him on the ups and downs of his own career. Please welcome from ICP Search and Love Local Jobs, Gary Peters. Welcome, Gary. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, it's good of you to uh, give us your time. So I'm going to start right at the very beginning, um, and I want to ask you about your upbringing and education. Now, I've said in my previous podcast that when I was a a boy, I had a dream of playing for Chelsea and being the next Mickey Droy. Uh, But um, I think you got a lot closer to that dream than than I did, Gary. Tell us. Well, I tell my kids I did. (laughs) You know, the, the further away that it, it becomes, I wonder how close I really was, but I believed it for a while. So, you know, I was on Albion's books as a kid. So Brighton born and bred. I was the chubby guy. I was the chubby kid when I was about eight or nine, nine or 10, whatever it was back in the day playing for Hollibury Hawks. So consequently, I was the goalkeeper. But it was clear that I was taking goal kicks with my left foot. We, we used to win so many games, really an outstanding team we had. And uh, occasionally they'd let me go on field and uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too bad and I got better and better. And then the Albion scouted me when I was 12 and I was on their school of excellence for several years, um, teed up to be the guy that took over from old chappers who used to be the, uh, the fullback back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it never happened. And right then when I look back, I didn't want it enough. Was I good enough? Maybe for a little while. I certainly didn't go on to be great. But at the time as a kid, I was uh, I was pretty good, very quick, good left foot. But I was lazy and I didn't train enough. And, uh, yeah, I got released when I was 16. So that was very much the focus of where you thought you were going. Um, and um, and obviously, as you say, it, it didn't work out like it doesn't for the large majority of kids that go through that yeah. process, I guess. That's not unusual. It's um, more unusual to actually make it, of course. But um, yeah. um, but what happened after that? What, what, what happened next? job wise well growing up i i was i was very very privileged but in a, a non-monetary way so my grandparents were solid uh working class very different from one another Got one side of the family is very mad and irish and very eclectic to say the least and then the other side of the family were quite straight um but both sides had equal um morals and culture values and all the rest of it and I was just in a solid environment my dad was a, a night shift mechanic my mum worked in various supermarkets and day shifts and night shifts but I just had a solid upbringing grew up in a, a flat in Dixon Rise shared a room with my sister until I was about 20 but no, nothing nothing mattered to me apart from family and the the love and security that that gave me 
we didn't want for much because it, it wasn't on the radar to to want for much we were very grateful for everything we, we had and my parents worked incredibly hard um and that that was that was life for me so when it came to school i didn't have any burning ambition to be anything i wanted to be a fireman i remember that but that was just because it seemed to be exciting and just like i did with my football career i i pratted around too much wanted to be the joker and uh yes yeah, school life whilst good and whilst i had a really good relationship with the teachers um didn't amount to much for me so i did go to college twice after after school but i dropped out twice as well after six months on each turn. So that's really intriguing to hear you say that because you clearly are a driven um, individual because, you know, you've achieved so much um, uh, since then. But, did you know, you've mentioned both in the football career and at school that you weren't particularly driven at that stage. When did that drive kick in then? I think uh, once I dropped out of college twice, it, it was still a joke. So I was still going on, you know, silly holidays with my mates. Um, going out in the town and, and doing what most 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds do. But some of my friends, whether they were educated or or not educated through the, the system as it was then, were doing all right. So whether they were plumbers or sparkies or guys going through university, their life started to take a different path. And <clears throat> where I was the, the the guy that had everything growing up as a kid because I you know I could wear an Albion tracksuit to school occasionally that meant that I played for a professional football club it 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 held me in in a higher place if you like that that status soon started to diminish and actually I was more the fool that was being left behind and for what reason and it, it started to point to laziness so I was very fortunate that after I finished college for the second time I got a job in the the black line as it was in Patcham it was a harvester then and um there was this big aussie guy that was my boss who gave me the gave me the job and we got on really really well and we used to go for drinks and all the rest of it in his room he was one of those australians that came over to england because the currency exchange rate was very very favorable for them at the time and he had pictures of the family on the wall and he's got a very attractive sister and i used to uh, tease him about that now you gotta bear in mind that i'm five foot eight he's six foot four probably double my weight and could snap me with one hand (laughs) not that i'll admit that and you probably have to take that out of this because if he hears it then that's my bluff all over and it's been a while now but nevertheless i used to tease him about his sister and he was quite clear on what would happen to me if i dare go near her but nevertheless she she came over from australia to visit him um when i was about 18 turning 19 and he, he, he went away for a few weeks and I made my move and the rest is history. So I fell in love with this beautiful Australian lady um, who I'm married to now, pleased to say with two kids and all the rest of everything that comes with that. And I emigrated to Australia to run away from it all with and to live with her. But I, I got that wrong as well. And it, it'll be no surprise to you to hear that I only lasted six months in Australia as well um, because I was incredibly homesick for the for everything that I had at home. I had, I had everything at home and you, you could put blue skies and sea and all the rest of it in front of me. It just wasn't at home. So fortunately, she came back with me. But I did have an opportune moment whilst out there. So I was playing soccer, as they call it, as you know, um, for the Gold Coast uh, and a team called the Palm Beach Sharks. And I bumped into Harry Redknapp literally on the beach. So after I got released from Brighton, 
I went to Bournemouth on trial where Harry was manager and I was there through the transition period from Harry to Tony Poulis and it didn't work out for me. Again, I'm not surprised now on reflection, but at the time I was gutted. Fast forward three or four years, I literally bump into Harry Redknapp and Frank Lampard Senior on the beach of Surfers Paradise. And it turns out they're a player short for their tour of Australia and they were playing the Oli Roos um, that particular week. So I got clearance from the Australian FA to play for West Ham with the likes of Julian Dix and Les Seeley and a whole load of other names like um, Tony Cotty, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it made it back to the UK that I was this Australian international that had signed for West Ham, uh, which was hilarious because that's not true. I just filled in some uh, someone's spot for a few minutes. But nevertheless, it, it gave me a break, which I'll probably touch on later. I love, uh, I want to play for a team called the Palm Beach Sharks. I mean, that's yeah. one name, isn't it? That's one handle. Listen, yeah. listen, tell Football me about... was good then. Yeah, I bet. Tell me about Harry Redknapp, though. I mean, he, he's a remarkable character. I've never met him. You clearly have and know him well. Um, you know, he, he seems so down to earth and so approachable uh, and a nice guy. I'm sure he's got uh, no football manager. Um, uh, he's, he's got his other side he, that he must have to uh, implement at times being a football manager. But um, what's your take on him? Well, the guy's a legend, isn't he? Um, what, what was nice to see in, in the jungle was that you, you can't act in there. And if you do it's for a few days, you're going to get found out, aren't you? And the authenticity of the guy just shone through, which is why he, he won it. Um, but if, if I go back to 1995, which is when the West Ham thing happened, I don't, I don't have much memory of it. I was only 19. <clears throat> but I remember him in the changing room being pretty clear that he wasn't very happy. Let's put it that way. So I've definitely seen that side of him. We didn't win that game. I can't remember the score, but we lost. Um, and the team prior to that had been on taking advantage of the Australian sunshine and beer, shall we say. So it wasn't a great tour for them that year. So, yeah, I definitely did see that. But then equally, I saw his his authentic side then by giving some little young lad who unfortunately didn't make it as a pro a chance to play against the Australian Olympic team. And then fast forward quite a few years later, we, we got back in touch and I told him how that break that he had given me back then had led to my career and all the rest of it. We stayed in touch and then um, he helped launch our, our foundation, which yeah, we'll touch on later. But he's very humble, very honest, just a normal guy, But which is hard to say, obviously, because he's uh, he's known in football world all over the world, right? But yeah, very normal, lovely guy. What you see is what you get. Great. Well, it's great to see that the uh, what we see on screen is exactly what the guys like, um, which isn't yeah. always the case, of course. But, um, well, look, I want to move on now to um, you starting your business career. Um, it started, I believe, with um, your business ICP search. Um, what, um, what, you know, talk us about the start of that company, how it became, you know, what made you start uh, in business? So if we, if we link it to what we've just been speaking about, I was the guy like m- most people that wasn't on a particular journey to any specific destination. I came back from Australia really homesick. I couldn't get a decent job. My dad managed to get me a job selling commercial vehicles at his garage for a bit. I did okay, but I wasn't particularly great and nor did I care too much for that job. Um, I don't know that I appreciated it enough back then either. You know, I'd gone from being this footballer wannabe to to selling vans and just wondering what it was all about and then very fortuitously because of um, various football links a guy called Rod Flavel 
um, was chairman of Saldine United, the mighty Saldine United. <laughs> and he saw something in me um, as a footballer at the time and as a potential employee. And he had a startup business called FDI, it was then. And he said, look, what, what's your situation? What's your story? How much do you want to come and play for Saldine and stuff? And I told him my situation was that I needed a job more than anything. And he took a chance on me. So, so long as I signed for the, the mighty Saldine United, I'd had a job at FDI guaranteed and away I went. So I started there as a trainee. I, I was literally on reception, answering the phone, doing admin and all the rest of it. And then step by step, worked my way up to a reasonable level there. Certainly didn't fulfill my potential with <clears throat> FDI, but I learned a hell of a lot. Um, I helped open an office for them in Belgium with with the more senior team but Kate had moved over from Australia then so not, and I was living four or five days a week in Brussels that, that wasn't going to last so <clears throat> I resigned from FDI did a few years in another recruitment company and did particularly well but I couldn't I couldn't find happiness in working for other people I think I'd become too much of a do-it-yourself type person over the years that followed so I set up ICP search in 2001 and what a year that was obviously with the devastation of 9-11 um, but yeah that, that's how it started so <clears throat> I got given a break by Rod for which I'm forever grateful for learned my trade within tech executive search and then yeah took the plunge in 2001. So let's let's talk a bit more about um, ICP because you know a competitive environment it certainly is recruitment I would I would say from my limited knowledge but um, tell us uh, tell us about what you specialise in and and, and really what the uh, USPs are of um, ICP. It's difficult to say what our USPs are because the, the, by the very nature of what we do most most companies offer the same service right and we're only as good as the people we've have and we've had more people we've had less people and sadly within the world of recruitment loyalty isn't the uh, number one priority of most people it's to earn a lot of money <clears throat> and that doesn't really sit with um, the values that we have a, have as a business so we're, we're kind of our own worst enemy in a way in that we've employed lots of people who have gone on to to set up on their own and, th and that was the same for me actually because about four or five years ago, I, I tried an MBO to get away from recruitment. Um, I just wasn't enjoying it at all um, because of all of the stereotypical things that you think about when you think about recruitment. And, and that didn't work out. And that gave me a chance to really turn around what ICP is now as opposed to what it was. So what it was was a, a search company that specialized in various technology areas that was on a, a, an aggressive journey to grow with no real purpose or reason behind that. It's just what people did. Um, and since the MBO fail, we've managed to realign exactly who we are and what we do and the type of people that we want to hire and, and navigate to a better place. So what does that look like now? We're a smaller organization. We're specialized in very niche advanced technologies such as broadcast, satellite, space, sports technology, um, AI, machine learning, all sorts of very, very niche stuff where skills are very, very hard to find. Three years ago, we won Best International Recruitment Business of the Year at the Recruiter Awards for the way that we do our work. And we're very proud of that. And I think if, if you were to scrape for a, a USP, it's the people that we recruit. We recruit people who are driven by values to better their family life, better their circumstance, lead a happy, decent life, as opposed to maybe the Rolex wearing stereotype recruiter that wears shiny suits and 
maybe has different reasons for being alive than the people that we have. And due to that, we build really strong long-term partnerships that are the foundations are built on authenticity. So we're very, very proactive in what we do. Very likable people. We really do care about the people that we work with internally and externally. And, and that's our USP. Is it different to any others? I don't think so. I think there's loads of good recruiters out there, but equally, there's a lot more that are um, less ethically minded, shall we say. Cool. And I just want to pick up on something because it, it picks up on a conversation you and I had before we started recording. Uh, it was about, uh, I think both of us had a bad day this week and we were just, you know, just talking about um, about that. But um, a, a book flashed up on my um, Amazon account the other day, falling back in love with your business. And, and, and we tend to think as people think as business owners that we're always in love with our business. We're always driven, you know, and, and by and large, I guess the large majority of the time we are. But it's really interesting that you had that period where you 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 doubted whether this was for you and 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 you then you know when that deal fell through you just reinvigorated yourself and refocused yourself and 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 went went on to strength strength really the 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 journey with icp had been hard i set it up when i was 26 so you know remember i'm i I didn't go the traditional route of learning I, i certainly have no qualifications and nor did i care to read books or listen to anyone else either Um, So in setting it up, I made loads of mistakes um, and equally had loads of wins that were very surprising for me. But in that time, because of where I'm from and the family values and what have you, I found the lack of loyalty from a client perspective and a team perspective really hard to understand. And over the years, that frustrated me more and more. So whilst I was earning good money, certainly a lot more money than I ever had imagined growing up, it, it wasn't enough. So I started to look for something else. And my, one of my big mistakes in start, in, within ICP was that I started what's now known as Love Local Jobs, um, formerly known as BrightonHopeJobs.com, which of course sponsored the Albion for several years when they first moved to the Amex and then the county grounds and all sorts of other stuff. But the, the reason for setting that up was more of an escape from the, the negativity of recruitment that I had found myself in. And uh, yeah, I wasn't enjoying it. And there's a lot to be said for whether it's a job, whether it's your own business or whatever it is, doing something that you love because life's a lot more important than going to work and earning money. You know, there, there's a lot more hours in each day to, to enjoy life. And uh, why not maximize those whilst you're at work as well so that they're aligned? And they certainly weren't. So yeah, I fell out of love with it and I, I found something new to do, which which gave me a purpose and I've enjoyed since. And uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, through the sponsorship and through the fact that it's, you know, across the Internet, I guess um, the Love Local Jobs brand is 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 very w- well known to Joe Public in in this area in particular. But um, and, and it started up as a passion and, and, and became a business. But you don't um, you don't pick your fields lightly, do you? Because, you know, that must be even more competitive. I mean, how do you compete with the guys like Indeed, you know, the big boys in that field? It, it can't be easy. Well, the brightonhovejobs.com was set up initially as a hobby. I was still managing ICP search and I still run that now. But I wanted to link back to the break that Rod had given me. So I found myself in the recruitment world frustrated as we've just as we've just touched on. There was all sorts of advice going around on LinkedIn and various books and what have you to find your purpose. And I kind of went on a journey backwards to go, okay, well, what, what interests me? What, what is it that floats my boat? And, you know, I won't bore you off now with the whole how and 
when I did that and what have you, but it led to the fact that I was incredibly grateful for that break that Rod had given me and that I was in a position where I could give that break to a lot more people as Rod has. He's, he's given hundreds of people a break and he's a, he's a ridiculously wealthy man now. So it felt good for me to go back to the local community, find guys like Gary Peters boss, however many years ago that maybe has a barrier or two in front of them is low on confidence or doesn't realize the full um, potential that they could achieve and, and do something about it. And that's when brightonhovejobs.com was launched. So it launched as a job board to leverage from my recruitment experience. Um, but actually the founding partners at the time who, let's try and get this right, American Express, Domestic and General, Legal and General, City College as it was then, Brighton and Hove Albion and Booper, each sponsored the site to, yes, advertise their jobs, but we were in the depths of the biggest recession in living memory, apart from the one we're about to enter into now, back then. Um, more the purpose for those guys was to be involved in a community project that, yes, advertised their, their business, but more importantly, made a difference to the local next generation. Um, and that, that's where the goodness of brightonandhovejobs.com came from and, and led to our success. Equally selfishly for me, it meant that I could go to work happy again and proud of what I do. And you're clearly a good uh, salesman, Gary, because um, to get a, to get a list of brands like that to support you at launch must have been quite some achievement. I mean, um, giving you cre- credibility pretty much from day one, I guess. Yeah, the the credibility that gave us was was amazing. I'm forever grateful. I know the names of each of the guys that said yes. I remember exactly how they said yes. Um, yeah, and we, we were really lucky. And then, of course, the opportunity came up very, very quickly to sponsor the football club, um, which we grabbed with both hands because we had the money from the sponsorship and various other routes to do that. And the rest is history. So suddenly our, our name was all over 25,000 shirts all across Sussex, and it was hard to miss us, right? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the motivation was about, as you clearly said, about helping people and everything else. And that that kind of led on to the foundation um, that you set up. And um, you do, I know, some absolutely amazing work in that foundation. Tell us a little bit uh, about the foundation and the areas it gets involved in, Gary. So as you, as you said before, that the landscape that we're in is very competitive. You mentioned Indeed, for example. And if you're comparing Indeed to Brighton and Hope Jobs, it's it's not a it's not a fair or a right comparison. Indeed's a, a multinational, if not global, brand with jobs all over the world on it. <clears throat> but what separates us very specifically is that we're local and we're committed to our local community. So yeah, the job board very quickly evolved itself into more of a community project that also had a huge amount of good local jobs with great local employers on it. But the heart and what really resonated with the guys that were sponsoring us or partnering with us or working with us or all the other people was that we actually gave a monkeys about, genuinely gave a monkeys about the people that we were working with. And that led to the, the launch of the foundation. So the work that we do specifically aims itself at secondary schools at the moment, albeit there's a call for that to go into colleges, universities and maybe uh, younger year groups as well to work with kids of all abilities uh, irrespective of any ism that may be in the way um, to help them realize their full potential in both life and in work and the work that we do is inspiring to me to the people that work with me 
to the sponsors we work with and more importantly to each and every kid that we interact with uh, year in, year out. Um, so it's specifically about taking, making them there aware of the barriers that are in their way and providing the tools and inspiration that they need, whether they know it or not, to get around them in order to, to thrive. And, and you're doing that by bringing in inspirational talkers, by taking them away on, uh, by, by mentoring, by a whole range of different techniques, I think. Yeah. And, and the mentors are people of all different um, backgrounds, shapes, sizes and, and all the rest of it. Um, we've got inspirational speakers. Uh, your own Jack the Lad, of course, is, is one of the speakers that runs one of our uh, flagship programs. But we also leverage mentors from the business world as well and, and people outside of business because everyone's got a story to tell and, that, and that's inspiring for a young person. And what's equally inspiring is for uh, those of us who have long left school to be inspired by young people. So actually the crossover of inspiration from new generations, from past generations and, and sharing of stories is, is very well received right now, particularly when you think about these kids. They don't, they don't talk too much anymore, do they? You know, they're, they're, they're addicted to their phones, which sadly is one of the reasons why mental health in my opinion is is so high on the agenda right now because they're they're leading a life of somebody else they're, they're pretending to be somebody else because that's what their friends do and their friends are doing it because they're being they're following it on instagram and facebook and all the rest of it this 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 whole fake world there where actually it's more important to find your inner self find out what you love and uh and go that way rather than be the same as everyone else yeah, absolutely. Well said. I mean, now from what already from what you've told us, if I cut you in half, I'd see family running right through the middle of you. I'd see, um, you know, uh, wanting to, to help people on their careers or their, their, their I'd also see Sussex right the way through you because, you know, your involvement has all been around, you know, within this area. It's home. Um, you, you, it sounds like you went away for a, a short period, but couldn't wait to get back. And um, so tell us about Sussex. What, what, what does Sussex mean to you as a, as a, as a businessman? As a businessman, um, and an well, it's my home. And an individual. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm born and bred. Um, I've got a wife from the Gold Coast in Australia. And as much as she loves me, I'm sure she hates me in equal measures for not living there. And, you know, who wouldn't want to live over there? And I've got the right to do it. But <clears throat> I'm rooted here. It does. You're right. That, that's from a family perspective. But I think it's more than that. We're, we're, we're blessed to have the sea five minutes away we're blessed to have the downs five minutes away i played football for the county i've ran for the county i've played hockey for the county i've sponsored the the biggest football club in the county i've sponsored the biggest cricket club in the county i i'm i'm properly rooted right <laughs> and i and i do love it i think we've got um some challenges challenges on our plate from a brighton and hove perspective um i think it's going to look very very different in the not too distant future but i'm equally blessed that we've got so much green land and countryside around us to go and uh, get away from the the stress of everyday life yeah well said i mean I, I i totally agree with with those points we are very very lucky to live in this county but um i want to touch on something else now gary because so we had um, you had a chat with jamie who does the researching for me on um on on, on this podcast and he said to me don't call him an entrepreneur. He's not keen on that term. Now, you know, that's not easy because this podcast, and you might not know that, it's called Entrepreneur Go. So um, I've, yeah. uh, I've done my best not to mention it. But, um, but, but what, uh, tell, me, tell me why you're not keen on that term, entrepreneur. It's, I just think it's a poncy word. It's, <clears throat> you know, I, I grew up in a day when filofaxes were a thing. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just see the stereotype Wally businessman when I hear that word, and I know it's not right. 
when, when I go back to growing up, that's, that's just a word that people use to separate themselves from maybe the everyday person to appear or want to be better than them. So I don't like it. Plus, I don't, I don't know. I really don't like it. But that said, I'm equally balanced with the fact that um, in today's world, that it is a cool thing to be. Um, and it's less Ponzi and it's less Filofax and it's less Boise from Only Fools and Horses, who I love dearly. Um, <clears throat> but I was brought up a long time ago and it, it, yeah, it, I just don't like it. I, I, I don't know. It's an uncomfortableness. Maybe it, maybe it's my problem in my inner self. I don't know. But <laughs> it's just a wally word. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, now I know from uh, my own experiences that you know running a business has its highs and lows, and and you've mentioned um, you know um, periods where you fell in and out of uh, love with with a business. But um, yep. you know, tell tell us about you know what what are the biggest challenges what's the hardest time you had and and you know what did you learn from that both from yourself and from you know from for you for your business as well i think well the the best things that i've learned are about myself and what i can handle what i what i'm good at and what i'm less good at what i need to work on i'm a lot more resilient than i thought i ever was and that's tested all the time so the failed mba was a huge thing we had a huge turnover as a business at the time, we had lots of employees and when an MBO fails, you don't just go back to the table and everything's all right. <clears throat> so the people that were going to buy the business sharply left the business and they were large income generators for the business. And we still had the same, pretty much the same fixed cost to find month in, month out. Um, and that was incredibly stressful um, and has and, and lasted a long time, I might say. Starting the business when I was 26, um, when the Twin Towers disaster happened was equally stressful. A, I didn't know what I was doing and the tech sector crashed for a good long time after that. And there's been loads of things, whether it's people leaving, whether it's buying into the wrong office. There's so many mistakes that I've made that I look back on and go, crikey, you know, why and how did you do that? But because I, I love what I do, whilst there was that dip, I learned from them. I surround myself with good people. And, and I'm resilient, realistically resilient, um, which ultimately means that we're wiser and stronger. I, I kind of question myself now because <clears throat> I think that I know a lot, but equally I know I've got so much more to learn and you, and you can never get complacent. I'm in that position now as I approach 46, just going, okay, do I take what I've got and uh, stay where I am or do I push on? And if I do, if I am pushing on, where am I going? And I certainly wouldn't ask those questions of myself 10, 20 years ago because you just did stuff. I was just running like a lunatic to, to set businesses up and have fun ultimately. <clears throat> but now there's, I understand risk. I didn't understand risk before. I was blind to it. But then as you get married and you have kids and you have mortgage and you're employing lots of people, you start to quickly understand risk, particularly when you've made mistakes. So I'm at, I'm at a point now in my life where I'm going to pick my next battles very, very carefully, albeit I know I'm hugely resilient. I'm more experienced than I've ever been, and I'm surrounded by great people. But we'll make decisions together this time, as opposed to me just running off in my own direction. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because so much is, you know, it is a journey and, and, uh, and so much does change your why, your, what drives you change, changes, of course, um, as you've already hinted, really, when you get married and kids come along, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something that never stays the same. And um, it's fascinating. And, and, and touching on family, because obviously family is so important, but, you know, running a business, you run several and the foundation and everything else, you're clearly a busy guy. But, you know, how do you get that balance right between family and, 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 and work? Have you always got it right i mean um you know any tips the the one tip i was given um several years ago that worked for me was remember that every time your child asks you for something they're actually asking for your time um, and to recognize whatever it is that they're doing because i think too many of us are in a rush um and it's very easy to to say to your kid or your your partner your husband your wife whatever it may be that not now do it later so i'm a lot better now prioritizing those people that are really important to me um, versus those things where I'm a natural people pleaser and would um, typically look to please as many people as I possibly could at any one time. So that I certainly have got my priorities right, but I'm equally guilty of having my phone on in the middle of a film or um, not going down the park to have a kick around with my lad or my daughter because something's as important. But I do my absolute best to make sure that I'm here as, as much as I can be and they get as much uh, good dad or good husband or good friend time as I possibly can. But I certainly haven't got the the balance perfect, and nor do I think I will until I've stopped working. Because if, you, if you're in any kind of business right now, unless you're one of the fortunate ones to be thriving through the devastation of COVID, you, you've got to be working harder and smarter than ever, right? Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about motivation a little bit. Um, you know, some people are, are motivated by money. Some people are motivated um, by a whole range of other things. But, you know, what, what motivates you? What drives you? Why do you get up? And uh, why have you got got up for so many years to uh, to, 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 to launch into a, a busy day of, of, of running businesses? So I've never been driven by money, which sounds really stupid to say when you say people are a yeah, good one. I equally respect that it, it plays a part and most definitely contributes towards your happiness so long as you're not greedy. So one of the two failures for me specifically at the places I worked before I set up on my own was that there seemed to be more of a focus on money, which isn't right or wrong. And when I look at the success of those businesses now, it'd be very difficult to argue that they were wrong, but it didn't work for me. I was I was the guy in the football changing room that if I was having a, an average game at half time, if you come in shouting and punching at me, then just take me off because I'm going to have a man sulk. Um, but if you get your arm around me and say, hey, do this, do that, I'd go out, give you 120% and it, it would happen. So I kind of crave that <clears throat> kind of um, management methodology through my career. And that's that's what's driven me, just to do my absolute best because as a kid, I knew that would make mum and dad, nan and granddads and all the rest of it proud, right? <clears throat> I just couldn't do that on an academic journey because my, uh, I don't know what it was, but my attention to detail, my attention span and all the rest of it was elsewhere at the time. And there's that Albert Einstein quote, isn't there? If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'll forever think it's stupid. And I, I do think the educational system is broken these days. There's too many kids being measured the wrong way, but that's another story. Yeah. So the dip that I had when I fell out of love with my job was quickly fixed because I found I founded the the foundation which gives me complete purpose and sits nicely alongside my values as a dad and as a husband and, and as a friend. So my only advice would be to find genuinely find something you love, even if you're doing a job 
that is boring or is specifically not particularly exciting, you can package it up in a way or find something within it to make sure that you enjoy it and you're proud of what you do. Now, my next question I had prepared, and I think we may have touched on some of the, the people, but I was going to ask you about um, entrepreneurs or, or business people um, that have inspired you. You know, you've talked about Harry, you talked about Rod. I mean, are there anybody else that um, that, that, that sort of um, inspired you to uh, in business, as it were? I think there's, there's there's hundreds. I'm not I'm not the guy that enjoys listening to the success of Steve Jobs or or whoever it may be and reading their books. I find them irritating for some reason. Um, I'm more inspired by my friends and the people that I know that work really bloody hard to to pay the bills and and enjoy life. They're the people that motivate me and, and give me more value than and energy than anyone else. I love my autobiographies, but don't find them inspiring. I find them fascinating. Um, but yeah, people like Rod and, and Harry Redknapp, they're incredible people who have done incredible things more importantly they're happy and, and they're on a journey that makes them happy and, and it's more people like that that do so i'm equally as inspired by the guy in the pub who who's just finished his uh his shift on a friday and he's having 20 pints of cronenberg as he typically does right the way through to my friend who's a ceo of a, a global business that they're all the same so long as they're demonstrating good values that would do me Okay. Now, listen. Um, if somebody, um, you know, in the in the foundation came up to you um, and um, asked you, you know, what an average day looks like for somebody who's running multiple businesses, what what would you tell them? Depends who it was. If I if I needed to impress them and lie, I'd say I'm very <laughs> organised and um, everything's slick, and I've got the right team around me to make sure that everything is is taken care of. But of course, that would be a massive lie. I prioritise as best I can, but like most people, my time management can be pretty pretty average. <clears throat> I have to react to various bombs going off on a daily basis. And it, yeah, I think it's the same as everyone else. I've got a lot going on and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm putting foundations in place for the growth that we, we touched on earlier. <clears throat> I've got a fantastic team around me, which who I'm hugely proud of and we're all learning together every day. And we're about to go on a, a recruitment campaign in the next few weeks to, to recruit new members. So I'm really busy, uh, but I'm head down trying to prioritize as best as I can. And one of the the shining lights, if you like, from this um, COVID situation is that I'm not in various restaurants and having to network every five minutes. I'm actually getting work done, which I'm enjoying. Cool. Okay. And on a similar theme, um, what would you say to somebody, a uh, young person who's going to start up their own business? What what sort of two or three tips would you give them um, based on your experience? They were, they were the tips that I was given and ignored, um, which ultimately cost me a, a huge amount of time, stress and money. So first of all, if you if you have a good idea, um, make sure you get the legal set up on it straight away. And on that, surround yourself with the right people to actually advance your business. Too many guys <clears throat> just set up with people who they like or friends doesn't work you have to have you have to make sure your missions are aligned um, and that you're cutting the cake as early as possible um, so that it doesn't become an awkward conversation so definitely get the legals right get the right people around you not necessarily the best your best mates um, and obviously you, you won't be surprised to hear that I'd say find something that you're genuinely passionate about or at least can be um, because it makes going to work a hell of a lot easier every day particularly as it gets hard and any startup will be very hard uh, at some point 
yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good, good advice. Um, and and I think um, I mean finally we're we're recording this um, in lockdown number three for COVID. I didn't want to dwell too much on COVID because uh, one day soon, hopefully, it'll be a thing of the past, yeah. and this will then therefore sound dated. But um, but you know the whole recruitment field clearly like media like you know lots of sectors as must have been hit hard but it but it sounds yeah. like you know you use that time to think about your business and it sounds from uh, <clears throat> a little bit that you've just mentioned there that you're very focused on on what's coming next and still buoyed up by the future as it were yeah i'm excited about it we were hit hard from the the mbo failure several years ago in any case um some of the sectors that we work in have been hit particularly hard which has had a a detrimental effect to our plans and what have you but throughout all of it we've worked incredibly tight as a team and being locked in at home has has meant we've been incredibly more efficient as well and that's given us more time to build better relationships with the partners that we have across all of the businesses and yeah we're excited to build upon that because given that our values are all aligned to the next generation um, i don't think those guys have ever needed so much help as what they're going to need over the next three to five years and uh, we're well set to support them, enjoy what we do and make sure that we have uh, aligned success across all the businesses now. And that has to be exciting. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it always is the uh, the young that are worst hit, which is the point you're making at the, in a recession in terms of uh, yeah. jobs, isn't it? So, um, yeah, yeah, that point is um, unfortunately very, very true. Well, Gary, look, it's been a hugely enjoyable interview for me. I've loved uh, finding out a lot more about you and uh, we'll put um, in the show notes some contacts for your various businesses if people want to get in touch from a, from a commercial point of view. But, um, you know, Thank you so much indeed uh, and uh, well done for all the work on the foundation which um, I've uh, enjoyed learning a a lot more about in the last few months. So um, I wish you well and thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to Entrepreneurs Go. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, then please subscribe and do tell a friend. If you can spare us a few minutes, we'd really appreciate you rating the podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, The Letting People. They're offering all Entrepreneur Go listeners three months free when they rent their property via them. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll join us next time around. Entrepreneurs Go, brought to you by The Letting People, a landlord's best investment. Visit thelettingpeople.org.